Hello listeners. I'm Bala and welcome to my podcast Great Minds, a podcast from Frisco, Texas. The challenge of a leadership is to be strong but not rude. Be kind but not weak. Be bold but not bully. Have humor but without folly. Today my guest is Felicia Colon, Senior Vice President Operations at SCP Health. She is also a treasurer board of directors and a board member of American College of Healthcare Executive of North Texas. Please join me in welcoming Felicia to our show. Hello Felicia, how are you? Hello and thank you for allowing me to be on your show today. Thank you Felicia. Tell us about yourself, Lizia, the city you grew up, your family, and how you got interested in healthcare administration. Sure thing. Well, I can tell you, first of all, I'm not a native Texan, although I have grown uh, to love and respect Texas very, very much, although this most recent snowstorm, maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, I am a native Floridian. I have I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, which if anybody looks on the map, we are the first major city as soon as you cross over the Georgia border into Florida. Mm -hmm. So um, non-Jacksonvillians like to say that we're South Georgia and it's like, hey now, no we're not, we're Floridians. But uh, nonetheless, uh, my father, he was in a Navy. That's what got him uh, deployed to Jacksonville. And he met my mother who was there visiting her sister. Um, of course, they got married. Here you go. Here I am. <laughs> That's how it's an easy way to explain that. But what's interesting about that is that my father was in the Navy and had an honorable discharge and then became a uh, first responder, so firefighter and then respectively to a paramedic. And my mother was always um, involved with health insurance and she worked for the largest health insurance company in Florida. So I kind of got an introduction into healthcare since childhood, if you think about it. You know, my parents coming home and we were traditional, so we were the type to sit at the dinner table. They talk about their day. So I got to hear from me up what it meant to be a first responder and what it meant to then have claims being processed on the back end and then the challenges associated with healthcare just to, you know, have coverage be made and explaining benefits to patients over the phone, etc. So in terms of my own personal career pursuits, I did want to be a nurse and as life has it, it steers you in a different direction. And I actually wound up going into healthcare administration as a bachelor's degree. Now, I wanna say that working from my teenage years, I started out in healthcare. So at 17, I worked in a skilled nursing facility, then moved on to being a medical assistant. Then from there, working at the same large healthcare company that my mom worked at for insurance. And then from there, I started managing a physician group at the largest level one trauma center in Jacksonville, Florida. That facility is really what gave me a taste and a flavor for wanting to really pursue healthcare more seriously than, okay, I have a job and, you know, it just happens to be in healthcare. I actually wanted a career in healthcare. And what also made a significant change in terms of me wanting to pursue healthcare is because my grandmother had cancer when I was in my early 20s and she sadly expired from that. But in going through her journey 
and seeing firsthand healthcare from the patient's perspective, because I would take her for her chemo trips. And then once she started getting terminally ill, we would be there at the hospital. And especially seeing the disconnect between the different specialists and the hospitalists there, I knew that I wanted to make an impact to ensure that no other patient felt disjointed um, seeing the siloed healthcare that we experience today. That's so sad to hear about your grandmother. And I see where you get your inspiration now. And it's a wonderful story that you have. Seems uh, healthcare runs in your blood. It does. I think if you poked me, uh, you know, healthcare symbols would come out, as so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so when common people talk about healthcare, they discuss about physicians and nurses. Tell us about the healthcare administration and how does it play a vital role in the industry? Uh, thank you for asking me that question, Bala. And I have to be honest, when you go out there and you Google healthcare administration, you start looking at what does, what does the formal book definition mean? And it can be anywhere between someone who does the proactive management, leading and overseeing you know, the operations of healthcare entities to a more simplified term of day-to-day -day operations. And how I like to uh, make the comparison of what does healthcare administration mean, it is similar to business administration. So imagine having a brick and mortar facility. So just like you would with the restaurant and you got to focus on, okay, when the client or patron comes in, what's the food service? What's the workflow? How does the team get the meal from the back to the front? Um, which waitress is going to deliver it? Who's going to be assigned to the specific tables that the patrons sit at? It's the same thing essentially for healthcare. And I hate to simplify it like that, but for the person who's not exposed to it day in and day out, it makes sense when you make this analogy. So you have a patient who comes in and when they come in through, whether it's the emergency room or an elective procedure, it's the same thing. Where are you gonna place this patient? Which nurse or which nursing unit is gonna take care of the patient? How do you deliver the medications? Uh, make sure the specialists are assigned that are appropriate to that patient's care. And how does that patient have a whole enjoyable experience so that they choose to come back to your facility again? And doing that analogy with the restaurant, like I said, it's the same thing. You want your patron to come back and receive the best experience possible from your restaurant. And it's the same thing with healthcare administration. And it's not just about nurses and physicians, it's the whole logistics. So if you think about it, the pharmacy component of it, plant management, where you're even trying to figure out air pressure and water pressure to all the rooms in the different areas, um, the equipment that's tied for the surgical areas. And you even have other things like logistics um, in terms of transport for that patient, procurement to make sure that you're getting the best cost for something like gauze or band-aids or whatever else that you might need to use. And then you've got the overall back office function, which is revenue cycle. So for the payment that you receive for that patient services, you need to make sure that you're capturing every cost that you have so that when you submit the claim, to Medicare or the respective insurance, you've allocated everything correctly so that once the money comes in, you know, you can kind of cover your costs from that aspect. So it's, 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 it's complicated when you're talking about healthcare administration, but when you apply it like a restaurant, 
it helps the regular person kind of understand, oh, you're right, medicine is a business. Now to a lot of physicians, <laughs> they just want to take care of the patient at the end of the day, mm -hmm. which is fine, which is why healthcare administrators such as myself, yourself and others who want to handle the business side of it, that's mm -hmm. where we come into play. That's well explained, Felicia. In the current situation where customer experience is greatly looked into it, administration plays a vital role. Yes, they do. And I come from the old school way of thought where the CEO and the C-suite always did rounds and on the patient units. They weren't just, you know, the C-suite that stayed behind the office. They went, they talked to patients. Mm -hmm. I, I remember at the level one trauma center in Florida that I worked at, the CEO would be going through the cafeteria line, just like everybody else, there sitting at the table, just like everybody else. And you wouldn't have had any idea that he was a CEO. And I think he liked it because he would just be in a collared shirt and some slacks, but he'd be talking to patients and asking them about, hey, how are you today? Oh, are you here visiting? Who are you visiting? You saw his badge, so you knew he worked there, but he would get firsthand experience about his facility from the patient with it being so formal you know like if he came in his suit and did a formal round and you knew you were talking to somebody important so you may not have been as honest as oh i'm just having a casual conversation with the gentleman in the cafeteria so you're right administrators pay a vital role with patient experience because sometimes they can figure out stuff and get more feedback differently than it just being focused on clinical care that's great that's great from your opinion, which public health is in great crisis and how an individual citizen can contribute to overcome it? So in my opinion, I think the public health um, component that's most in crisis, in crisis, of course, is healthcare disparities. And it's not just healthcare disparities in terms of race. We've now, with the pandemic, gone into this cross-sectional um, component of healthcare where we're really focusing on social determinants. So it's not just is race playing a factor. Now it's education, background, environment, uh, culture, um, anything associated with someone's education, you know, and their comfort in receiving the information digesting the information and then making an educated healthcare decision. And we can even go to the challenges we're seeing with the vaccination. So here is where social determination, social determinants come into play. You know, everybody, they, they came out with the 1A, 1B, so they've got the, the um, okay, you're up next to bat for your vaccination. But what's happening, some of the wealthier people who don't even qualify are getting moved up in the line. You know, so now it starts to bring in, okay, so if you come with the money, <laughs> you can you can scoot ahead of the line instead of following the protocols laid out by the CDC. Um, not only that, but then there's a lot of fear associated with these vaccinations. And it's coming from all areas, Bala. You know, you can have the most educated person, but if their family never truly believed in vaccinations, so it was like, you know, let nature take its course and, don't go with a man-made vaccination, then guess what? They're not gonna get it. But then at the same time too, you could have someone who has never really encountered a healthcare crisis in their life. Now here they are making a decision about whether or not to vaccinate themselves. 
um, and they're healthy. Do they get it? Do they not get it? I want to go out, but you know, I'm watching social media and you know, seeing what's happening, and I don't know if the vaccination is right for me. You know, and really seeing people challenged with that. And like I stated, based on their social determinants, it could be positive, negative. It could go in any spectrum of, of their decision as it relates to should I get this or not. And one thing that healthcare workers don't appreciate is what is the experience in healthcare if you're not exposed to healthcare all the time. So for example, if you aren't a nurse all the time and you're having to make a decision about a benefit on your insurance because you're a nurse you already have seen it it's been exposed to it etc but if you don't know anything about anything associated with healthcare, and then it's like well should i go with a high premium insurance plan should i go with a low premium insurance plan oh what if i never get sick or what if i do get sick and so i think for the common person or the individual citizen who does not have a healthcare outlet, meaning that they directly work for it, you really have got to educate yourself and it can't just be on social media platforms. Um, during the pandemic, what I saw a lot of the physicians do is that they would hold individual family town halls. So right when COVID first happened, everything shut down. There were a few physicians who would host Zoom calls with their extended family, like not even mom and dad, but it was like aunties, uncles, first cousins who had questions, didn't trust anybody, but they would trust that family member. So there are a number of physicians that had the Zoom calls just to educate their own family because their family didn't know what to believe that was coming out of social media. So in my mind, that's what the individual citizen can do to overcome it understanding that now with the pandemic has exposed the social determinants of healthcare. So it's no longer a black and white, minority, female, male. It is all of us are in this together, but there's so many different subsects of decision-making and influence and impact to where I don't think it was that predominant before. And now we have to have a dialogue about you know, the citizen who is this, that, and 15 different other things to make a decision about their health care. Rightly said, Felicia. Even for me to get in line for the vaccination, it took a week for me to constantly be on the internet looking for that notification. I'm not sure if people with uh, no access to internet would anyway get into the line, right? Unless they go to the uh, facility and wait for the vaccination to be given to them. Um, correct, that, correct. And sad. now, if you, there was a podcast I was listening to, a webinar that I was listening to the other day, and they were so right, the hosts of it, which was, you. we never thought that there would be that much emphasis on a phone now. Because everybody's like, Google it, go on the internet, <laughs> bing it, do whatever. You can sign up online. There is a large subset of the population that does not have an internet and all they have is just the phone. Yep. So for them to call, A, we don't even know what phone number to call and B, when they call, they're probably sitting on hold for who knows how long. So then what do you do? You sit on hold and then after a while you just get discouraged because it's like, I can't be on hold for two hours. I agree. I completely agree with you. So Felicia, you have been in many leadership positions. 
if you have to advise what is the one advice that you give to the younger generations getting into the administration so the one key piece of advice that i give to the younger generation wanting to get into healthcare well and even leadership it is the fact that it's okay if you don't know what you want to specifically do in healthcare right the mm-hmm. thing with the younger generation time is on their side and unlike us who came up in you know the generation x where we had to come out in college we already had to know what we wanted to do and then when we when we came out you know when we went to the job we already had our eyes set on whatever position we wanted we don't we don't get we didn't have the the comfort and the luxury of the flexibility that this younger generation has mm-hmm. and we need to as as the generation x and above take a page out of the millennial book which is it's okay to have different employers every few years You know if you would have told me that 20 years ago Bala I would have been like what no <laughs> you're supposed to work for a company yep. do like 10 12 years then go to another company like it's bad if they see that you changed over four companies in 6 years and that is not the case now even for myself as a hiring um manager so to speak you're wanting to see the diversity in somebody's resume you're wanting to see okay well they had um done a supervisor position in this company then they went to a manager position then they jumped over took a ladder to another manager then made it to a director position because it it gives them a more well-rounded experience and it doesn't have to be that you spent 15 years in a company anymore what it really comes down to is do you bring value to that organization and what we're probably trying what we can likely find is that people who've had some variety in their work history come with a different level of i guess you could say they come with a different level of how they can solve a problem in healthcare that doesn't necessarily mean a healthcare way of doing things so for example someone who's had a lot of experience in the hotel industry who then joins the patient experience team let me tell you they could probably find 15 different things of how we could do stuff better in healthcare because they had to do it in the hotel sector so to speak and that's where hiring managers have to be a little bit more open minded when you're hiring the younger generation but the younger generation too say okay i don't even know if i want to be in revenue cycle at the end of the day i may want to get into logistics and it's okay and a few things of how they can kind of navigate the tide is number 1 making sure they volunteer for a hospital if they haven't gone to college yet and they're still in high school and they kind of want to dip their toe in the water to see if they even like health healthcare and then once you are in college and you graduate seek out fellowships that will give you some exposure into healthcare and then once you get uh your fellowship completed then it's okay to look for other healthcare avenues to get your feet wet and to get exposed into healthcare without it always being at a hospital you can work in some places like ambulatory care clinics doctors offices skilled nursing facilities there's so many other things that tie into healthcare than it just being a brick and mortar facility um one thing i think we can all acknowledge is what's changed is the it component associated with healthcare now 
yes. with the EMRs that are out there. I mean, when someone came out 20 years ago, it was like IT, okay, they're working for a communication company. That's not the case now. IT, we need you right here at this brick and mortar hospital because I need to have Wi-Fi in every single room so I can make sure telemetry can run correctly. So that's where, you know, to go back to your question, what I give advice to the younger generation is it's okay to not know what you want to be. As long as you want to be in healthcare, there are different avenues you can pursue and they need to capitalize on that. I love that you talked about diversity and experience and about bringing value to the organization. Uh, that goes back to the cross-knowledge pollination. That's a key. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Finally, in a way, this pandemic has changed how healthcare is operated. How do you see the future of healthcare in the US? So I kind of see the future, not even kind of, I see the future <laughs> in my own crystal ball. Um, and it's it's categorized into three main buckets. Um, the first one is being innovation that is gonna happen with the healthcare team. So I know a lot of people think that the healthcare team is just a physician and allied healthcare professionals, such as nurse practitioners or physician assistants. And I actually think it's gonna go beyond that. So as we've seen with the pandemic, nurses have been in high, high demand. Um, So I actually think that innovation with the healthcare team is going to be centered around nursing. So we might see a revitalization of nursing aides coming back into the hospitals again and a nurse having a care team. So it will be the one main nurse and maybe with a licensed vocational nurse and maybe a nursing assistant all being tied to a patient's care, similar to a physician and, you know, different allied health care providers splitting a certain number of patient uh, patient census every single day. So I honestly think that that's going to be um, the first thing that we see is the innovation with healthcare teams as the future uh, related to healthcare in the United States. I also think that number two, the next big change we're going to see is going to be more patients using telemedicine and innovation really happening with e-health. And so physicians who started the telemedicine consults with their patients because patients just couldn't come in, guess what? They're going to have to retain that because now patients have figured out a convenience factor, right? I don't have the knockoff time to then drive, then wait, and then you know, see the doctor for my 20, 30 minutes, then drive back in traffic and then try to make up for the work that I missed. Now I can schedule time when it's convenient for me. So I can do my e-health visit when I'm on my lunch break. Doesn't require that I move, you know, like transport myself anywhere. I don't have to take a train, don't have to drive. And not to mention, I don't have to then take time off of work or like what some parents are experiencing and they're homeschooling their children because schools are closed. I don't then have to cart (laughs) me and the three kids just to make a doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. So the convenience factor is there. Physicians who have clinics and they're just going to have to figure it out um, with how to make that more long-term. And then the third thing that I've identified as going to be the future of healthcare in the United States, is going to be, of course, better collaboration between systems of care and and different, um, I guess you could say, pockets of healthcare. So, for example, I think there will be better 
communication and like you said, cross-pollination between hospital to hospital that may not necessarily be part, be part of the healthcare system. So for example, a facility that is in a city helping out a critical access site that is in a county, you know, 200 miles away, but has no other access. But for that facility, they're doing a community service by keeping that hospital open for, for the community. Um, so there's that. I do think there's also going to be a shift between hospitals having a tighter network with post-acute facilities such as skilled nursing homes um, especially with all the readmissions and I'm sure if you look back at when patients caught COVID um, even had you know a hint that they even might have COVID and you know the multiple readmissions that happened behind it I think there's going to have to be a better support for those skilled nursing facilities in the future because you know they're kind of they're kind of out there. And then as the governor of New York has even had to do, um, there were a number of patient deaths attributed to the skilled nursing facility that got allocated incorrectly. Um, so obviously there needs to be processes and protocols and support for those um, post-acute clinics and post-acute care areas. And then I think there's also going to be a tighter network between the post-acute areas like a SNF and a patient's primary care physician. So Bala, I don't know if you know, but a lot of PCPs usually make a visit to the skilled nursing facility maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, or as needed based on a patient's clinical condition. We might have to do a more frequent check on those patients just to make sure that we don't run into the same situation where COVID's running rampant, but it gets, you know, written off as a pneumonia. Um, if you think about the variants that are coming through for COVID, you know, somebody presents with a cough, they do a standard COVID test. Okay, they don't have COVID. Well, that's because the skilled nursing facility doesn't have the genome mapping to see that it's a COVID, but a different strain of it. So we're definitely gonna have to look at healthcare more globally and create synergies between each entity. And I think that that to me is gonna be one of the changes that come for the future of healthcare in the United States. That's very well articulated, Lizia. As you said, once we are opened up, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, for the large corporations and counties to create spots in their offices and city center for the employees and also people with the disadvantage, use it for telehealth. You know, they won't be having internet at their home or they may be in the office, they couldn't go to home. You know, there are multiple challenges that they could face. So I see, I, I'm looking forward the large corporations and counties to create those parts so people can access it. Um, You're right. Yeah. And Felicia, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your experience and knowledge. And on behalf of the audience, I wish you all the very best in your future endeavor. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me, Bala. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. And I hope it can um, share some uh, great news and just some thoughts and maybe get some dialogue going with your audience on some of these topics and questions that you asked me. I'm sure it is. Thank you so much. Listeners, for he who has health has hope, and he who has hope has everything.
Thanks for listening and meet you all in my next podcast.